Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. I am tonight's co-host, Sophia Shi, studying film and television and business in the Stern Tisch dual degree program with a minor in computer science. I'm from Ithaca, New York, and I'm an RA at Alumni Hall. And my name is Tom Ellett. I serve as the other co-host, and my full-time job is here as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Now, you mentioned to me that you have done some editing on podcasts before. Yes, I was the podcast editor for the Politics Society for one year in freshman year. Was it an interesting gig to do that? Yeah, I learned a lot about politics, and I got to hear from some really amazing professors and professionals in that field. Excellent. Alumni Hall, upper class building. Were you prepared to be in a building that has all students living in single rooms? I really love it there. I think that my personality is particularly suited to that sort of population because I think my style of interacting with people is much more one-on-one and getting to know people on a personal level. So I think it was the perfect fit. So it's worked out fairly well for you. Yeah, I really love it there. That's great. And the staff is going well. Yes. Now you have a lot of different things that you're studying. How are you thinking about putting it all together? Well, through conversations with my professors, with my classmates, and also just observing where these industries are going in general, I've definitely noticed and believe that film, business, and technology are all converging and they're all going to be really important fields in the future. You know, you have many companies, not only traditional entertainment companies, but, you know, cable providers and magazines, they're turning to content to draw consumers and sell their products. And they're also using digital services and the internet to distribute those. So I think it's a growing field and it's only going to grow more in the future. Well, we have a guest tonight that's hopefully going to answer some of these things that you're grappling with. And I think the industries, as you had mentioned, are all grappling with. Who is it, Sophia? We have Isha Dondavate, who served as an RA in Alumni Hall for Heather Cohen, Imani Mova, and Florentina Williamson-Noble for the 2008 to 2010 academic years. Welcome, Isha, and thank you for joining us on today's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you and where are you? I'm doing well. I am in San Francisco right now. And it's probably a lot warmer than it is here on the East Coast, Asia. That's uh, not so nice. I know. I'm sorry. I won't rub it in too much. Fair enough. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what you've done since you graduated from NYU in 2010. I have definitely had a winding path to what I'm doing now. When I was at NYU, I was a journalism and international relations major. So immediately after graduation, it was right after the 2008 recession. So it was tough finding work. I tried being a freelance journalist while I was also working full-time as an administrative aide at the Stern School of Business. After about a year of doing that, I kind of took a step back to think about where I wanted my career to go. I ended up moving home. And I say home with quotations because at that time, my parents had moved from where I grew up to San Francisco. So I moved back home with them, and while I was at home, I was thinking about grad school, and I got a job out here as a storyteller. So essentially using some of the skills I learned in journalism, but applying them to design research, 
which is essentially the process of interviewing people and understanding their needs to help inform business decisions. And when I took that job, I realized, I guess I really enjoyed that job. And so in grad school, I built some, I guess, stronger skills in doing that on my own. And that ended up becoming my career and where I am now. I'm doing user experience research at YouTube. Outstanding. What made you want to be an RA? I had a really great freshman year RA. I remember his name was Stefan, and he had such amazing energy and like brought our floor together. He was always there for each of us in all of our little experiences of kind of learning how to live alone. And I remember thinking how great it was what he did and wanting to kind of pass that on. Also, being involved in Red Life, like everyone has some level of interest in being an RA. So I think being around those people for my whole time at NYU, I kind of fell into that as well because that was all what all my friends were doing. It's really cool to hear that your freshman RA influenced your decision to become an RA yourself. I'm really curious because I'm also an alumni with a very specific population. How did what you learned either from him or other people you met while in res life help you create community on a floor that's comprised of single rooms? One of the things that I remember being challenging was getting attendance at events and programming that we did. That really just pushed me to be more creative, like trying to figure out what people would find interesting to attend. But I think at the end of the day, being an RA is really about how you connect with people, how you make yourself available to the residents. So even though it's not necessarily the same as a freshman year dorm where everyone's doors are always open and people are kind of flowing in and out. There's still that need to have someone on your floor that you can go to. So I think Stefan's empathy and involvement with the people on our floor kind of set the standards for me to understand that, you know, at an RA, you really have to be there for your residents. Tell us a little bit about the experience of working with team members on a staff even though we might have different backgrounds or different focuses, we're really living very similar experiences because there's a lot of things you do together. You have your weekly meetings. Maybe you might do joint programming. You might be juggling a lot of different things, trying to be an RA, do part-time internship, do school. So I think for me, having those teammates really was a key part of my experience at NYU. It was my community. I guess I'm a little interested in your selection of NYU as an institution to attend. It's not a traditional campus. How do you think that has helped you or held you back to where you are today? NYU is definitely a very distinct college experience. Like you said, there's no campus. And we do, I know there's a lot of programming and intentional efforts to create community that might not be organically formed. Of course, there's pros and cons to that. But I think One of the pros is it really forced me to be independent, but also to actively seek out community. I mean, once you, quote unquote, grow up and enter your adult life, there isn't ever an obvious community. You kind of have to build it yourself with, it could be your neighbors. It could be a group of people that come together around interests. It's something you have to do in life. So I think being forced to find my people and create my own path while I was there ended up forcing me to build skills that I would need for the rest of my life. So it was challenging. I won't lie. Like I was 17 when I came to NYU. I was very young. I had never really lived on my own before. So being in a big city, being in a big university was challenging, but it also was a growing experience. 
as you are an adult now outside of college, uh, do you find that same uh, method of having to develop community that you learned at NYU uh, where you are today in San Francisco? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned before, it's not always your neighbors that are your community. I mean, I'm still living in a city where people don't really acknowledge the people down the hallway. (laughs) So that's pretty common. But I think it forces me now to find communities based on interest. So like my husband and I are really into swing dancing. So now we're slowly over the past like six months, we formed a group of friends who are also into swing dance that have been coming to classes regularly. And that's one community that we have actively developed. Of course, we have our community from graduate school of friends that we built there. It's a skill set, I think, and there's different ways to do that. It can be commonalities in location or interest or in how you serve others. So I think all those things I did start learning at NYU. Let's pivot now to what you're doing at the moment. You're a user experience researcher. So number one, What is user experience and what does a position in that field entail? Basically, the process of understanding your end user while you're developing a product or service. Where I am in San Francisco, this field is very commonly found in technology. So, for example, I work at YouTube. So a lot of user experience work focuses on making sure that the products we're building are serving the people we're building them for. That's a pretty high-level explanation. UX has a lot of roles in it, though, specifically. Like, So I am a user experience researcher. There are other roles like user experience design, user experience writing. And then even within those, there's other subcategories. So you can be a motion designer, you can be a visual designer, you can be an interaction designer. But essentially, all of this comes down to how we define the experience that people will have when they're using the product we're working on. As a follow-up, What kind of degrees or experiences do people need to be user experience professionals? The fact is that that has changed a lot in the past, I would say, 10, 20 years. In fact, even when I joined the field, it's different since then. So my degree is from the School of Information at UC Berkeley, and I got a master's degree there. There are actually many schools of information. I believe there's one at University of Michigan. There's another one at University of Washington. And these are basically multidisciplinary programs that are T-shaped. So you learn a little bit about technology and the different jobs associated with it. So in my program, I got to learn about what it means to design things, what research does, what data science does, what engineers can do. And I chose a particular focus. So my focus was research. These programs are relatively new. I think I would say probably in the last 10 or 15 years. And they aren't the only path people can take. Some people come from traditional art schools or design programs. We have a mix of people coming straight out of undergrad and people with master's degrees or PhDs. I think that the field is developing. So we have people who have taken a lot of different paths who end up in this job. Survey fatigue is a big issue in in all industries today. It seems like every time I talk to a customer service representative or I do something on the internet, I get an immediate response, uh, a question asking me, how was your experience? What is the field thinking about as it relates to that whole idea of survey fatigue with, with, with clients? And how might you be doing research in the future about experience with those that are your clients? 
Yeah, I mean, surveys are definitely one way to collect feedback, right? So there's a lot of different methodologies. I won't go into the others since you specifically asked about surveys. And you asked about survey fatigue. I think there's a lot of things associated with survey fatigue. There is, very basically, there's a number of questions you might be asked. This happened to me recently, actually. I got a survey from some service that I used, and I was like, oh, sure, I'll give feedback. Ten questions in, I was like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to end? I gave up. I didn't feel like doing it anymore. So that's like a very simple approach is like if you're going to interrupt somebody and ask for their time, to be cognizant of like how many questions are really necessary to ask in order to get a basic understanding of what someone's satisfaction is. If you're just trying to understand, hey, are you happy with this? Maybe you just ask one question and then have a follow-up that's like, okay, well, if you feel like elaborating, please do. Another one is also understanding when you ask someone to fill out a survey. Like if you're trying to do something and a survey interrupts you, you're probably going to be more likely to be annoyed than if you volunteered ahead of time and said, hey, you know what? I'd like to give you some feedback. I think in that context, you'll find survey fatigue is maybe less because people have opted into giving that feedback in the first place. How does one know that the experience is good for a user or is good even the right way to describe your end goal? There's research you can do at various parts of a product development process. So suppose nothing exists yet and your team has been created to figure out, hey, what should we build? In that case, you would do research to understand what people need, and then using that understanding, you would then figure out, hey, here's what we should build. Suppose there is a product, like, for example, YouTube exists already. So, like, we have to think about ways to evaluate the things that we work on. You can think about user happiness through, like, satisfaction metrics. You can think about even looking at, like, the way people interact with the app. Like, are they being able to complete the tasks that they have come to do. So like a simple example is like if somebody wants to log into an app, we can evaluate how easy that is for them to do. Are most people able to figure out how to do it? And these are the kinds of questions we might ask. You've touched on parts of an answer to this question, but what was your field like when you started out? How has it changed and where do you see it going in the future? When I started out, I think it was a, it was still pretty well established. Like it wasn't new that user experience is an important part of a company. But I think the timing of when research gets involved has changed a lot. I have a lot of people coming to me with questions as opposed to my having to go out and explain hey, it's important for us to be asking these questions. So I think over time, as more and more people become familiar with the impact that research can have, they seek it out as opposed to having the people who are researchers going to people to convince them to listen. So it's really great to see that it's become such a standard part of most product development processes. It's also nice to see familiarity. Like I nowadays, I definitely get emails from like financial institutions who are hiring user experience researchers, and it's almost become a part of traditional industries because they recognize that it's a field that's important to improving the product or service that they're delivering. So, what are you most proud of so far in your career to date? I think that the moments that I felt most proud have been moments where I've been able to impact people with a problem they're having, like being able to 
identify like, hey, this is a really negative experience and seeing a product team come around to really address it. I think those are really impactful moments for researchers because you're actively involved in making something better for someone else. That's amazing. And I think it's really cool to know that there's a field that has the rigor that they can apply to solve problems like that. I have a question that's a little more specific. So I'm a creator and I have lots of friends and colleagues who are creators and the digital revolution and the ability to self-distribute content has really created a new standard or new abilities in that area. So I'm wondering from your perspective, what should creators who put videos and things like that on on the web, what should they be aware of when they're creating content? First of all, I should say this is not representative of YouTube as a company. This is just coming from me as an individual. But I think it's really fascinating recently that there's so much power to be had, like you said, in the ability to get your voice out there. There's also a lot of responsibility that comes with it. I've done research with younger people, with teenagers. That's definitely a group of people that I have worked with frequently. And one of the big differences I've kind of seen between people who've grown up in a time where they were always self-broadcasting versus someone like me who, like, YouTube started when I was late in high school. Facebook was something that I got on in undergrad. Like, I really came across these technologies much later in life. So I noticed that the ways that you're able to use this technology is both amazing and also can be scary. And I don't mean scary in like a negative sense, but I mean in that you feel pressure to represent yourself and your opinions in a way that reflects that you've put some thought into it first. So I think that when you're creating, a question always comes up of like, is it true to yourself? Is the thing that you're making going to resonate with you further down the road? I'm not sure if that's the question all creators should be asking themselves, but that's definitely a question that comes up. Thank you. That's something that as creators, me and my friends are thinking about every day. And it's it's hard to stay authentic, especially when there seems to be so much pressure to present a certain side of yourself. So I'm really, really reassured and heartened to hear your answer because, I mean, the person I am today is different from the person I was when I was an undergrad, and it's different from the person I was when I was in high school. I think it's really hard to be in your position because who you are changes over time. But when you're creating, you also have to reflect that in the things that you create. So I really respect that you're able to do that. It's something that I'm not sure I could do. That's a really interesting point. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about points in time and with technology, that's blurred <laughs> because now is before and before was later. I mean, it, it's just a very difficult concept to think about how does one be true to self as self evolves? Yes, definitely. I mean, you, you find people, I mean, humans are so resilient and we adapt as technology changes. So, like, you find people curating their online identities. Like, people delete things once they're not relevant anymore. So, it's not impossible to do. It's just, it makes you very intentional about what you're putting online. And it makes you think a lot also about who you are and whether what you put online reflects that. Now's the time for you to give some shout-outs 
to those alums that you worked with during your time at NYU? Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, I worked with so many awesome people and they've gone on to do really cool things. I'm actually also still in touch with Heather Cohen and her husband, Jay. They were so cool and like so relatable and accessible. Imani will has pinged me every once in a while. I know Onsoon went on to join the Peace Corps, which was so inspiring. And Erica Hollander travels all over the world. I love looking at her photos. Ashley Jones, I know she went on to go to law school and become a lawyer. And then I know Dan Point as well. He and I kept in touch a little bit. And he now works in political campaigns. I'm just so inspired by how everyone I knew did so many different things. And thanks to social media, we still get to kind of keep in touch and see what everyone else is doing. That's great. You have such a, a divergence of interest in, in terms of friends. That's a special thing. And I think NYU really fosters that here. Yeah, definitely. I Actually, it's funny because I realized looking back that the friends I had from undergrad have so much more diversity in their occupations than the friends I have from grad school. Which, I mean, honestly, is not surprising because I went to a grad school with a focused program. So obviously everyone there had at least like a field or area of focus. But it's still really fun to be in touch and hear about the different professions that my friends from undergrad have taken on. So now it's time for a Where Are I Now podcast tradition. It's the speed round. So I'm going to give you a bunch of questions and I just want you to answer them as fast as possible. Okay, let's go. Okay. Favorite tradition at NYU? I can't remember what it was called, but it was the play that we watched every year during orientation, and it had the best funny songs about living in New York City. The reality show. Yes, I love that. <laughs> did you go abroad while you were at NYU? I did. I, I studied abroad in my sophomore year because I knew I wanted to be an RA my junior year. So I planned spring of sophomore year to go to Prague. What was the best dining hall? You know what? Right before I graduated, University Hall had a total revamp, and I think they had a dining hall in the basement, and I remember really enjoying that. But I think consistently, I always loved going to Kimmel. Favorite NYU teacher? Um, this is easy. I remember, I actually still am in touch with her. Betty Ming Lu was one of my journalism professors, and she completely, I guess, like, leveled up my writing skills. She taught me how to interview, which are both skills that I use today in my job. And I'm, I'm working with her right now because she's a coach. So I'm doing a project at work with her focused on coaching and mentorship. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? <laughs> yes, so many. I think the coolest one was when I saw John Stewart when I was like walking. I think I was in Chelsea and he was like in the lobby of a building that had a bunch of really big like, floor to ceiling glass panels. So we like walked past and then walked backwards and kind of went back and forth a few times to peek in on him. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? You know, I was thinking about this and I don't have a particular experience, but it reminded me of that quote. I think it's by Maya Angelou. That's about, you don't remember what people say to you, but you remember how they made you feel. And I what I feel about my RA experience is that I had an incredible opportunity to form a very strong community of people. And I can still feel that when I think back. I've forgotten the details. It's been like a decade, but I still remember how those people made me feel. And I think that's what's most memorable about my RA experience. That's wonderful. And I definitely think that 
I'll be able to say the same thing with my current staff and my experience here too. Isha, thanks so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version of life. Isha, thank you. Jamia was right. You are a superstar and are doing great things. One last thing I forgot to ask you, East Coast or West Coast? I got to know. Oh, no. Is this going to be on the podcast? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, gosh. You know, I think I've become a West Coast girl. Oh, <laughs> oh. But you did hear that we're opening NYU in Los Angeles, did you not? I did not hear that. That's amazing. Just was announced two weeks ago, so we're pretty excited about it. Well, the West Coast over here is great, so. <laughs> there you go, especially the wintertime. Really, thank you so much for your time with us this evening. Special thanks to my engineer, Juliana Fonseca-Alessa, and to the current professional staff and the alums like Florentina, Heather, and Amani, who worked with these great RA alums to help them with skill acquisition along the way in their journey. If you like the show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know Ari's favorite books, go to whatthey'reading.blogspot.com. Until next time, continue to help people along the way in your journey. Every person counts.